You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to NeuroFrontiers, produced in cooperation with the American Academy of Neurology. Your host is Dr. Anthony Alessi, Fellow of the American Academy of Neurology and Stroke Program Director at the William Bacchus Hospital in Norwich, Connecticut. Any athlete that suffers a concussion must be taken off the field. That's one of the five new procedures being recommended by the American Academy of Neurology's Board of Directors. Joining us to discuss these new policies is Dr. Jeff Kutcher, sports neurologist at the University of Michigan and fellow of the American Academy of Neurology. He's also chair of the Academy's sports neurology section. He'll be discussing a new game plan for treating concussions today on NeuroFrontiers. Dr. Kutcher, welcome back to ReachMD. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. Jeff, just for our listeners' sake, can you explain the field of sports neurology? In the past, we always think of sports medicine being the realm of orthopedic surgeons, but that's certainly changed. Can you explain that to everyone? Tony, that's changed a lot in the last you know, three to four years, and it comes down to really understanding that there's a lot of neurology in sports medicine, a lot of neurology that is seen in athletes. Uh, and like you mentioned, traditionally, neurologists didn't really get involved in this field. But with the emergence of concussion, sports-related concussion being sort of the flagship injury of sports neurology, people have also looked around and realized that we can be helpful in a lot of other scenarios too. So really for me, it comes down to um, our expertise is in treating the neurological injuries that occur from playing sports, but it's also about treating common neurological diseases in athletes. You think about competitive athletes who have epilepsy or multiple sclerosis or even migraine headache, your treatment strategies, your expectations change, and that is a specific skill. But I tell you what I'm also very excited about is the emergence of exercise as a neuroprotective agent. So that is another aspect of sports neurology, as is the neurology of performance. So all these things make sports neurology a much, much more rich and complex field than just concussion. Why is the AAN suggesting an athlete be removed from the field if they're suspected of having a concussion? I mean, Jeff, it seems obvious. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the majority of concussions are not like your ESPN highlights. They're not the dramatic hit in an obvious injury. Uh, The majority are more subtle. They may not even show up until after the game. And so when you suspect an injury, you need to be very, very careful. And it's extremely difficult to know at the time whether somebody is completely neurologically intact with this type of injury. And so, in essence, it is removing an athlete to let the injury declare itself over time. Uh, You perform serial evaluations. Eventually, yeah, you can make a clear diagnosis, but to do so at the moment is very, very difficult. Why did the board decide the new policies should target the decision makers of athletic teams? Well, because they're the folks who are on the front lines. You know, would it be great if we could have an army of sports neurologists, you know, individuals who can do neurological examinations and know how to examine the brain, if we could have them at the, all the playing fields in the country, sure, that'd be great, but that's just unreasonable. And so we need to arm those who are at the games, those who are coaching the, the parents, the athletic trainers, we need to arm them with the best possible tool to help them make the right decisions. What other things is the American Academy of Neurology doing to advocate for athletes? Well, you know, it starts with our position on concussion and what we're talking about. It continues with our dedication to educating the whole spectrum of individuals who are involved in this injury, so the athletes themselves, the parents, the coaches, the athletic trainers, the primary care physicians, neurologists. There's education that has to happen on every level, and the academy is taking that very seriously. But we also have to develop 
the concept of sports neurology within our own field. So it's about creating sports neurology fellowships. It's about teaching our residents about how to take care of athletes and recognize concussions. So this is a, not to mention the research that has to happen. I mean, this is really an area that is underserved in almost any way you can imagine. You and I work with a lot of higher level athletes. You're at the University of Michigan, yet many of our patients who come to us are playing at much lower levels of athletics, youth level and things like that. Is the academy's position really applying to youth sports as well as higher level sports? I would say that the majority of what we're talking about is applicable to every athlete, really. The only subtle difference that I see in my practice is when you're making recommendations about you know, retiring from sports or what sports to play or should you even continue. When you have a higher level athlete where it's their livelihood, it's their job, it's their vocation, that's a slightly different discussion. But otherwise, the medical management, the diagnosis, the return to play protocols really apply the same to a nine-year-old Pop Warner player uh, right up to a professional player. What's the protocol for determining, or is there even a real protocol for determining when it's safe for an athlete to go back in? Let me tell you that, you know, this injury is not one that likes to be protocoled. I mean, it's, it's, it's the nature of the brain. It's the nature of, of neurology in general. But it's never been more clear that in this injury itself that it's hard to apply any one recipe or any one approach. But that being said, there are, I guess, some, some very basic things that should be followed, which is first, you want to try and do whatever you can to, to get the sense that the injury, the physiological state of concussion is over. And that starts with allowing that person to get back to themselves by limiting their activity in a reasonable way. As an aside, I'll say that I think it's sometimes see a lot of patients in my clinic who are symptomatic because they've been put into a bubble and they're removed from their social environment and their things they like to do. And then after two or three weeks, they start getting symptomatic and that's a problem. So we let them rest reasonably until they're back to themselves. And then we apply a graded return to activity that starts very simply by just raising the heart rate. On a stationary bike is the best way to do this because there's no other variable there. There's no movement, very little movement anyway. There's no cognitive aspect to it. And you challenge the physiology to say, okay, can the brain continue to be asymptomatic and work fine with less energy around? And then you gradually add some simple movement. You add some agility. You add some more explosive exertion, getting closer and closer to mimicking that sports environment before we're releasing them to play. Obviously, concussion is one of the ways through which a traumatic brain injury can end someone's life. We work a lot with certified athletic trainers at higher levels. Why is the academy pushing more for certified athletic trainers at every level? Well, I think that uh, that's an extremely important point because, you know, catastrophic injuries in sports, like you mentioned, head injury is one of them, but there are others, dehydration and and sickle cell and, and neck injuries and Having somebody who's trained in that environment to work with athletes, who who knows the procedures, who can help manage a team and recognize the warning signs for these dangerous situations, I mean, I I think we owe that to our our kids. We We owe that to our athletes. And is it reasonable to think that we can have a certified athletic trainer at every football game at every practice in America? Currently, no. We just don't have enough. But I think it's it's our position that that should be the case because we need to think about what our priorities are. And if you're going to field a football team and you're going to put our kids out there in a very violent sport, you know, while you're budgeting for your pads and your helmets and your bus trips, should you not make as a a priority budgeting for an athletic trainer? 
Dr. Kutcher, I'd like to continue with this, but if you're just tuning in, you're listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and joining us to discuss a new game plan for treating concussions is Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher, sports neurologist at the University of Michigan and chair of the AAN Sports Neurology Section. Jeff, part of what we do as neurologists and as physicians is properly educate coaches, parents, and athletes. How do we go about this? How do you recommend our colleagues go about bringing a new level of education to these areas? All of us as neurologists, we have responsibility for education. It starts in our clinics. You know, it starts in when you, when you see patients knowing the right things to teach them and the science to look for and, and spreading that word at that level. But then I'd also encourage people to get involved more in the community level. Talk to your local high schools, talk to your local junior highs, you know, give a 15-minute lecture at a parent meeting. Those types of activities can be extremely helpful. We're seeing more and more around the country legislation pop up at the state level, but also at the high school athletic association level and others, where education is now a requirement for students who want to participate in sports, a requirement for coaches. And so there are opportunities. They're looking for people to go out and, and teach them. That's a great way to spread the word, but it's a great way to, to help your practice out, too. And at the academy level, we have endorsed a couple of educational programs that, that we developed here at the University of Michigan designed to help teach coaches, uh, high school coaches and youth coaches currently, in a 20-minute Internet-based teaching module. Uh, at the end, you take a quiz, and if you pass it, you get a certificate. That's free to anybody who wants to go online and check that out. And we have more programs planned for parents and athletes of all levels. And so I think there are a lot of things that we can do to help raise the bar. Can you tell us how the treatment of concussions has changed over recent years? The biggest change would definitely be getting away from the grading system and getting away from trying to assign it a grade one, grade two, grade three designation, and then basing some type of management decision or time out of sports based on that grade. I think now we understand that concussion is a much more individual injury it varies from person to person. It varies from injury to injury. And so it's something that requires hands-on management. Somebody should be evaluating that person as they're going through this process on a daily basis. Uh, so that becomes the parents. That becomes the athletic trainers, the coaches. And in some practices like mine, we will follow patients through that procedure and see them on a serial basis until they're better. That's really the biggest change. This has gone away from a sort of a, a one-size-fits-all approach to a very individual approach. How do you see concussions being treated in the future as we move more toward the effects of repeated concussions? We read about post-concussive syndrome, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and how it affects athletes later in life. What's changing? The first thing that's changing is really our definitions of, of these injuries and defining what they mean and what we're, what we're talking about. Even the concept of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, what, what does that mean clinically? And so we have to do a lot of work to sort of define the landscape. We also have to do a lot of work on looking into the risk factors that might lead to a CTE situation or, or some kind of neurodegenerative process that might lead to a post-concussion syndrome or even just the concussion injury itself. I would imagine there's, we're going to, over the next few years, find dozens of different risk factors, be they genetic or environmental, that will help us understand the risk of being concussed and the risk if you are concussed of having long-term problems. After that, treatment-wise, I think we are honing in on the return-to-play process and the rehabilitation, if you will, 
of these athletes and getting them back safely, but quickly, you know, as quick as we can in a safe manner. And so we're going to be, I would say, in the future, stratifying risk. Doctors that work with teams will start looking at these athletes and sort of assigning them almost a different risk profile of those that they're concerned about. There will be things that will consider regarding their family history, regarding their personal history, medications they use that will help us define that. We'll probably have ways, whether it's neuroimaging or electrophysiological technology, to measure changes over time in a much more reasonable way so that we can track any long-term cognitive dysfunction that might be secondary to trauma. And treatment-wise, you know, we may come up with some pharmacological aid down the road, but I would not hold my breath because that's something, obviously, that is extremely complex. You alluded a little bit earlier about training programs for neurologists interested in sports. What progress is being made in that area? So we've identified uh, five different programs right now or, or institutions around the country that are interested in the sports neurology fellowship process. And that is sort of the magic number to approach the um, United Council on Neurological Subspecialties to get organized. And so we're starting that process. We've had some initial discussions. That is probably at least two years off where we'll have a certified sports neurology fellowship, but it is going to happen. In the interim, I will have our first sports neurology fellow, and I think some of the other institutions will be doing that as well. Jeff, what can we expect next from the American Academy of Neurology in this field? They've started a section for sports neurology. What's coming up next for folks to be in tune to through the academy? Well, the biggest thing is has to be the sports concussion practice parameters that we are currently working on. This effort we started almost two years ago with a committee of, of 12 individuals, neurologists, but also neurosurgeons, emergency room doctors, neuropsychologists, a whole different assortment of specialties. And we looked at every article ever published on sports concussion, and we are digesting this literature. And we will be putting out an evidence-based practice parameter document that we feel will absolutely be the state of the art as far as where we are with the science. There have been plenty of, of consensus statements put out there, but this will be the first comprehensive document that took a evidence-based scientific approach. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Jeff Kutcher, sports neurologist at the University of Michigan and chair of the AAN Sports Neurology Section. Dr. Kutcher, thanks again for being our guest today on NeuroFrontiers. You're welcome, Tony. Anytime. You've been listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. NeuroFrontiers is produced in cooperation with the American Academy of Neurology. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.